Hi everyone, I'm Rosemarie Miller here with Bob Ivory, a reporter here at Forbes, here to tell us why a recession is still around the corner. Thank you so much for joining me today, Bob. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. <laughs> so, Bob, in a piece you wrote recently, you spoke to David Rosenberg, who is the founder and president of Rosenberg Research and Associates, and he gave you 13 reasons why a recession is still around the corner. For starters, who is he? Who is he? Well, he's um, he's a strategist, a financial strategist. He used to be at Merrill Lynch back when Merrill Lynch was still a, a powerhouse on Wall Street. And then he hung out his own shingle. He's Canadian. Uh, so he hung out the shingle in Toronto and he's very well respected. You know, you could he's got a you know, he's everywhere on the Internet. Uh, I talked to some other people, too. There's you know, there's not a lot of people that are saying that uh, we're get, we might. We'll, we, well, he says we will have a recession. There's not many people that fit into that category anymore because there's been so much good economic news in the last year. Mm -hmm. So what inspires you to cover David Rosenberg and his unique approach to predicting the economic downturns? Well, I think contrarians are really interesting. I mean, don't you? I mean, they're, he's really going against the, the grain here. You know, there was they, they do a survey every once in a while. Um, how many ec economists say that there's going to be a recession? And in October, it was 18 uh, percent that were predicting a recession. In December, well, December, January, it was 9%. And then on Friday, we had this huge, huge jobs number come out. 353,000 jobs were created in January. New jobs were created in January. It blew everybody away. And I noticed that, you know, some of these people that some of these economists or financial strategists were saying that had been saying that they thought there was going to be a recession. All of a sudden, they were sending notes out to their clients saying, well, you know, let's put the brakes on that, all the recession talk. And mm -hmm. they abandoned their their call of recession. But there was a core group of people that I talked to in the, for the story, including Jeff. Well, I didn't talk to Jeff Gunlack, but Jeff Gunlack is one of them, too, um, mm -hmm. who's a uh, they call him the Bond King. And he's a billionaire. And they're very, they've dug their feet in, you know, they, there's going to be a recession and everybody else is wrong and we're right. And we've, we've stuck to our, our bet this whole time and we're going to keep it. Even so with all the economic good news. Well, what challenges did you face when trying to convey this narrative amid all the good news? Well, I don't, you know, Rosemary, I don't have a problem um, uh, reporting on bad news. I mean... <laughs> I do it. It's kind of something I do, you know, I put it on my resume. Um, mm -hmm. The reports on bad news. But, um, you know, they had a compelling story. They're not, you know, they're not just saying it. They're, 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 they're basing their convictions on some evidence. Uh, one of the bigger things that they, one of the greater themes that they, that they, um, that they kept hitting on were we can't we can't trust the economic statistics anymore because for every good good metric that's put out there uh, let's say by the Bureau of Labor Statistics there's another one uh, that has much more dire messages um, for instance um, most everybody looks at GDP gross domestic product as a matter of fact that's basically how we measure a recession is if growth in production starts 
either stagnating or, or contracting, and that's the very definition of a recession. But what these folks are saying is there's two statistics. There's GDP, gross domestic product, and there's GDI, which is gross domestic income. Mm -hmm. And just to simplify it, it's all this money going out, that's GDP, and all the money coming in, that's GDI. So that's income versus what we spend. And they say GDP does indeed look good. It's the economy is growing, people are spending money. Um, but on the other hand, income is coming down. So you have a gap between what goes out and what comes in. Mm -hmm. And, they, you know, just like any individual or company, you don't want more going out than you have coming in. It's a pretty simple concept, right? You know, you don't want to spend more money than you make. And the gap between what the U.S. is making and what it's spending is at its widest in a long time. And they said that that was an indication that things weren't quite as good as everybody is um, is uh, believes that they are. Right. And, and that was only right. You said that was only one of the reasons they gave. They had, what, 12 yes. more. There were 13 reasons. And I do want to talk about those. Uh, another one was what soft landings preceding recessions. And what role does that play in um, in Rosenberg's recession prediction? Well, I, I, I ran this one. The the uh, the um, the saw is that all recessions come after soft landings and a soft landing would be that you have um, less inflation, but you don't give up anything in jobs. And that's exactly where we are right now. The jobs are up. Inflation is moderating, coming down. That's very rare. It's very difficult. Of course, the Fed is. I think taking some credit for that, or people are giving the Fed some credit for it because they've stopped raising rates, and but they haven't started cutting them yet. So we're in this mm -hmm. kind of honeymoon period. So um, Rosenberg said that every recession comes right after a soft landing. So I ran this idea past Jason Furman, who was the um, the head economist in the Obama administration, and he's he's not um, predicting a. Uh, recession. He is. He thinks that the economy will expand in 2024. And he said, you know what? It's true. But if you look back and there is a recession, it won't be a soft landing anymore, <laughs> which he said it would be a hard landing. And he, there was some truth to that. I think he was just trying to make fun of the fact that we just, you know, if something comes after something else, we think it's a cause, that, that the first thing is a cause of the second thing. I think there's a Latin expression for that, that just because something comes after it in time doesn't mean mm. it doesn't mean that it caused it. It just came after it in time. I will tell you about another thing that everybody, all the economists talk about that uh, the civilians on the street, you know, they couldn't care less about it. It's called the inverted yield curve. Now you've heard of the inverted yield curve and I've heard of the inverted yield curve, but most people have no idea what that is. What that is, is you take two bonds, two government, U.S. government bonds. One is a two-year, which means that it's a, you, you buy it and it's a two-year maturity. You get paid off in two years. The other is the 10-year. And logically, the, bond, the debt that's, that's a, that, that lasts longer, you should get paid more for it because you're putting your money at risk for longer. But in an inverted yield curve, the two-year is actually throwing off more money than the 10-year. 
which is mm -hmm. against all laws of gravity and nature. And I say in the article, it's an indicator that the Detroit Lions will win a playoff game. It's really kind of, you know, it makes everything weird. And it could, it could, it could be, uh, it could result in banks not lending a lot because their cost of lending is greater than what they're getting back from the loans. And when banks don't lend, it slows down the economy. So there's this big um, fear about the inverted yield curve. Mm -hmm. And we have um, had an inverted yield curve, I think, um, in, since July 2022, which if it persists into March, will be the longest time we've ever had an inverted yield curve you know, since um, since they were painting on raw uh, on the cave, the sides of caves, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> right. Since they okay. since they started measuring such things. Mm -hmm. but, and, and the last six recessions have been predicted by the yield curve, the inverted yield curve. So wow. every single time we've had a recession in the last six years, in the last six times we've had recessions going back to 1980, mm -hmm. 81, you've had the inverted yield curve preceded it. But this time, we haven't yet. So what the what the bears are saying is it's going to come, and what the bulls are saying is, gee, I don't know what's going on. But you know, we've gone 22 months. What is it? Since I'm sorry, since uh, since June or July 2022, mm -hmm. which is a lot of months. Um, without having a recession coming after the inverted yield curve. Please forgive me for rattling on and on and on no, about no. the inverted yield curve. I mean, and before we continue into some of the other reasons a recession may happen, do you believe that these 13 reasons is enough to convince bulls to become bears? No, at this point, I think that that's one of the things that, um, that's one of the things that Jeff Gundlach actually uh, mentioned as something that worries him is that You've heard the expression irrational exuberance. Everybody, you know, once everybody goes on, you know, goes to one opinion, which is that we're not going to have the recession, that we have a soft landing, that the economy is doing great, that we're going to come back from it without any more pain. Once everybody seems to believe in one thing, that's when the other thing happens. Now, um, so he, so, so uh, Jeff Gonlack was saying, um, you know, things, people are, people are, um, are happy and they're, um, you know, the, the stock market has reached these, you know, record highs in the last few, I think, few days, actually. Um, and all this isn't, you know, all this, he says, worries him, which is kind of funny because I think that's the very definition of what I would call a perma bear, which is a permanent, a person who has a permanent pessimistic attitude about the markets is when everybody starts being happy, they start worrying, right? If everybody's worried, they're, you know, they're less, they're just contra contrarian in that way. And mm -hmm. Gunlack has a, has a, um, he does have a history of being um, downbeat about the, about the future of the market. So it's not mm -hmm. a surprise that he's sticking to his uh, recession call. But I think it's funny that, you know, once everybody's happy, that they, they, he thinks that that's an indication that it's going in the other direction. And I feel like I've heard this before, and if I've heard this, I'm sure others have heard this, then why are we still, I guess, like, why are we still playing the same game? Why are we still following this? Well, you know, it's a lot of people um, have a lot of money riding on it. 
Mm. So, and, and a lot of people are paid very well to try to predict the future, right? They're basically um, fortune tellers. And um, as, as, a re, as somebody who was a reporter who sometimes had to write a story about why the stock market rose and fell that day, which I believe is the hardest job in financial journalism, because you basically have to take the first thing that somebody tells you. could be any number of 100 things or no reason at all. It could be completely irrational. Um, but just like that, you need to um, establish a narrative for yourself in order to mm -hmm. feel stable, in order to feel like um, confident enough to invest. So these are all predictions from, you know, I mean, Gundlach is a billionaire, like I said. Rosenberg's very well respected in the economic field. And there were a few other people that I, that I mentioned in the story um, mm -hmm. who still are holding on to this. And um, I don't know, I, I, I kind of like the idea that we have these people that are digging their feet in and, you know, this big surprise uh, announcement on Friday about job growth didn't sway them. They're just like, well, the government revises their numbers all the time. This will be another time. Or, hey, this is the Bureau of Labor Statistics. What about the Federal Reserve's household survey, which shows that that um, unemployment is a lot higher? Or now Rosenberg mentions the Beige Book. The Beige Book is put out by the Federal Reserve every eight month, uh, eight times a year. And it's the anecdotal, they talk to people and they have anecdotal evidence of how things are going out all around the country. So this gives you, you know, the, all the statistics are the, are the numbers and mm -hmm. these are the words that will give you a clue as to what's going on among bankers and business leaders, the, the people who hire and fire all around the country. And he says that the latest beige book, which came out in January and the one before that, which came out in November, are the most pessimistic uh, about the future of the economy that he's ever read. Wow, and this is despite, yeah. despite everyone yeah. having such optimism yeah. about the economy. Well, we wow. all pick the number, the, we, we all pick the facts that we want to believe, right? And, yeah. and I'm not saying, and I'm not sitting here, you know, calling a recession, I'm not qualified and I would never do that. But I'm also mm -hmm. not sitting here and saying there won't be one because I'm not qualified for that either, I'm just saying that human nature tells us that you know we have a certain momentum and there's a certain momentum right now for uh saying we're we're, we're out of the woods there won't be a mm -hmm. recession um mm -hmm. which i don't think anybody says exactly because they never want to just they never want to be that definite because if they're wrong they they end up looking like fools um but they do have um, there is, like I mentioned earlier, that just this momentum to feel like we've dodged this, you know, uh, a downturn. Mm. Well, well, let's keep talking about some of the reasons that there may be a recession, okay. uh, a government shutdown. So how, how can that play a role in a recession occurring? Well, the government stops paying its debts, you know, all the, you know, I, I don't know how big, the, I used to know the number for, for how big the treasury market is. It's got to be in the trillions. Mm -hmm. If they stop paying their debts, what you know, all those all those people and those funds and those pension funds and the organizations that are invested in it, they don't get paid. Um, the government also has a um, had a role in uh, sending out the stimulus checks last year, and Rosenberg says that two thirds of the growth of the American economy last year 
um, was you could you could uh, that the government stimulus was responsible for that, and there won't be any more government stimulus coming. That was all the the pandemic stuff, right? Where mm-hmm. people got you got checks in the mail. I mean, there was. It was amazing. It was amazing. And sure, uh, just like anybody else, I'd love to get another check this year, but it's not going to come. So if Rosenberg is right, that two-thirds of GDP growth was uh, based on that, those government stimulus checks, I mean, he, I think he, he said it gives it, a, uh, gives it a, a, a positive glow. And we won't have that positive glow in 2024. Mm-hmm. Well, you want another there's... one? I'll give you another one. You sure, give one? me another one. <laughs> I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more. The conference board um, has the index of leading economic indicators, mm-hmm. and it's contracting. And although everything, although the, a lot of you know the it, inflation and, and employment are the two main main numbers, and those are good, right? Inflation's cooling. Unemployment is down. I mean, it's 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 been that's been under four percent. The unemployment rate in the country has been under four percent for quite a while now, and those make everybody happy, you know, justifiably. Um, but there are other numbers, and one of them is the index of leading economic indicators. And there's a whole bunch of things that 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 they measure, and that has been down. That was down all last year in 2023. So. Um, folks aren't as optimistic. These folks aren't as optimistic due to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, there's there's evidence. We had New York Community Bank uh, last week um, lost, you know, almost forty percent of its uh, um, the stock stock value because they were exposed. To, you know, they have commercial real estate loans that are uh, can't really be renegotiated. Um, right now because the interest rates are so high. I mean, they can be, but it would be money losers, right? Mm-hmm. So if you remember last year, we had Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank go under right. because of the same thing. Well, it, it seems like New York Community Bank, which had actually bought a bunch of the assets from Signature Bank, um, is having a hard time because they had mm-hmm. to set aside a whole bunch of cash uh, in case those loans um, went bad those commercial real estate loans went bad. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, I, I want to go back to unemployment for a second. You mentioned that. Let's talk about job cuts and layoffs that are likely to happen yes. throughout 2024. Yes. And how, how could yes. that play a role in impacting the economy? Well, that's one of the things uh, that the, um, the, uh, the contrarians pointed out, that mm-hmm. um, the the overall you know we get 353 jobs created in january according to the bureau of labor statistics but uh other measures are not quite as optimistic not quite as rosy um and that is uh you know there was over a hundred thousand layoffs last last month mm-hmm. so what they one of the one of the common threads was you have you know one statistic saying one thing thumbs up another statistic on the same metric employment giving the thumbs down and mm-hmm. with the the numbers everywhere meaning that they're you know up and down and you can't really uh, get a hold of a consistent steady narrative on that that one of the things that they do is they go to the they go to the anecdotal so they go to mm-hmm. the beige book and they read about how 
you know, different companies and different banks and different states are doing as reported by the Federal Reserve. And they find that things that things are, you know, if you listen to the stories of people that are on the ground uh, that make up the economy, this, the, the story is not that good. You know, I said before, Rosenberg says it was the worst of any of the, re the, the recessions this mm -hmm. this month. And well, it was last month and October, I think. No, November. But anyway, the last two beige book reports were the least uh, were the were the worst were the gloomiest. Well, Bob, we are going to let your readers go and see what the other reasons are that a recession may happen. But I, I do want to know, you, you spoke to various people. You spoke to Rosenberg, DiMartino, Booth, um, Love, Vorgna. Am I saying that right? Uh, okay. Lavornia. Lavornia and what? Gunlock, right? Yeah. So how did you go about balancing all of these different viewpoints? Um, well, you have, you know, it's like a seesaw and you have this huge boulder on one side and that's the, mm -hmm. that's the bearish people, the people that are happy. And then you have these four uh, economists and, and investors, you know, Gunlock's an investor, the other three are economists. And they're just on the other side of the, the seesaw um, and they're up in the air. There's more of them. I think these these are the four that I that 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 uh, I found and that would talk to me and that I thought had some interesting arguments. Um, mm -hmm. So it was more of a case of saying, "Hey, let's balance what everybody else is saying." There's this there's this avalanche of of happiness and goodwill, and on the other hand, these the four people who represent a, a larger constituency. But I don't think that there's a whole lot of people that are shaking their fists at the clouds right now saying there's going to be a recession and I don't care what the Bureau <laughs> of Labor Statistics does, you know, mm -hmm. so there was, that was that was the that was the uh, the uh, the effort was in balancing every all the good stuff out there with what the people who were saying that things aren't going to be so, you know, that it's going to rain. It might be sunny now. But it's gonna rain. It's gonna rain. It's gonna well, Bob, rain. what surprised you the most, or challenged your understanding of the economic landscape throughout your reporting? Well, I think you know I, I don't talk to economists that much, you know, um, and uh, my life's much too boring for the thrill of talking uh, inverted <laughs> yield curve. But um, one of the things that that struck me. <laughs> was that there was a lot of they were you know they were really economists usually are numbers people right but what struck me was these four were very interested in what people said in the word part of it there's the words and the numbers the numbers you know we all we talk about you know unemployment rate or you know cpi the inflation uh measure talk about GDP. Some of us talk about GDI. I had never heard of G GDI before I'd started working on the story. <laughs> um, but now I, you know, now I'm obsessed. But the, the, the amount of, uh, now I know that everybody wants to find things out there that are evidence that prove their thesis, you know, I'm right. Um, and everybody else is wrong. But um, I was impressed on how much they they put stock in what the folks in the beige book said, what, you know, 
people they talk to, um, just how anecdotal information was telling them things that the numbers didn't, and they were trusting the anecdotal stuff. That's really what surprised me. I thought economists mm -hmm. were all about numbers, big numbers, you know, very, very um, um, detailed numbers, very narrow in the scope numbers, you know, uh, dry goods orders from the Baltic states mm -hmm. or what, you know, whatever it was that, mm -hmm. that economists <laughs> look at to say, oh, there won't be any recession. Look at this, you know, non-farm Canadian payroll among, you know, people under the age of 12, you know, or whatever mm -hmm. it was, you know, I'm trying to be funny and I'm <laughs> failing miserably, but, oh you know, gosh. all these arcane numbers, you know, all these, like, you've never heard of some of the numbers, but that's what impressed me is like, they're going to say, the numbers say one thing, the numbers are actually confused. So the numbers mm -hmm. are confused. I'm going to go to the, to the, to the, uh, on the ground. You know, I'm going to go to the banks and I'm going to go to the businesses and I'm going to go to the manufacturing companies and I'm going to find out what people are saying about the economy. And that's going to color my my perception and my prediction about what's going to happen next. I was impressed with that because I'm a word guy. You know, I'm a reporter. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of a numbers guy, too. But, you know, it's mostly I, you know, if you try to write a, a a Forbes story in all numbers, it doesn't really work. You got, you need the yeah. words. So I'm kind of a Absolutely. word guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, this has been so interesting. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.